Hey everyone, uh, this week on The Burning Bird, we had a snafu, scheduling snafu. So this podcast with Eric Whitmer was supposed to be part of the larger Burning Bird podcast with Colin Messino and Matt Glazer, but it's not. It's here today. Have fun with it. Welcome back, Phoenix fans, for another segment of The Burning Bird. I'm Steve Leinert, and unfortunately, Shaggy's still here, aren't you, Shag? Yeah, of course. I never left. <laughs> Only kidding, Shag. Love having you on board. We're joined in this segment by D-line cutter Eric Whitmer. Eric, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You had a particularly strong combine this year. You Your 40 time was sub-5, and you had a huge vert. What was your vertical uh, leap? So there was a bit of controversy about this, and I don't mean to drag all of that back up. Um, no, no. I think controversy? The, the, official, the official number um, was 38 and a half. Um, but for some reason, that number was not recorded by Arcata. Um, not blaming him, but never recorded. So they called it an unofficial jump, um, I think, of 38 and a half. But... No, no sore, you know, no sore feelings about it. Um, just trying to go out there and do my best. It's not about, you know, showing showing off or anything. Well, speaking of do your best, the 4.88 40 time in the combine is pretty darn strong. I mean, how long did you work on that to get that time down? I was actually kind of disappointed by that time. Um, I run a 4.78, I believe, last year. Um, I may be butchering that time. It was definitely in the four sevens. Um, and actually felt kind of sluggish on the combine this year. So definitely still a, a quick time, but not what I was hoping for. Um, I would love to run a, a time 40, uh, like at the end of the season, um, or when I feel like I'm really in, in peak shape. Um, I think that number could be quite a bit lower, but again, still just trying to, you know, go out and, have fun, see what numbers I can put up. I mean, for a guy that slowed down that much to go from four seven to four eight, I mean, like you know, you're, are you surprised? <laughs> you, are you surprised you still made the team? My word. Yeah, I tried to make up for it with the vertical jump, so <laughs> got to give him something to look at. So uh, this was your second year at the uh, at the combine, at least, right? I mean, or have you gone to other Phoenix combines prior to those two that you made the team? Yeah, this is just my second. Um, did the combine last year, just kind of to feel it out. Um, I've been trying to do that for a while, just go to whatever team tryouts are available, whether it's club or mixed. Um, not really, like, looking down on anybody, but just seeing what's available and what different team chemistries are like, what different ultimate experiences are out there. Um, so Philly, Phoenix is obviously the only uh, pro in the area. So I went last year and ended up with a practice spot for most of the year. Yeah, this was my second year of the combine. As a connoisseur of all those different uh, tryout processes, where do the Phoenix rank in terms of team chemistry or just the tryout in general? I think that the intensity is definitely a step up from most programs. There are definitely some elite-level programs that are uh, in the same category, um, but you can definitely feel a difference with the level of play that's expected, um, by the coaches, 
the players themselves are bringing really high intensity um, across the board. You don't really get moments of uh, not taking it seriously because really everything that you do matters. Um, again, there are programs like AMP and Patrol that definitely have a very similar feeling, um, but these are all, all really elite programs and it's a lot of fun to go out and be able to see how I stack up, um, see different play styles, different uh, setups um, defensively and offensively. So, where, uh, where, where and when did you first start playing Ultimate? So, I was, I was actually homeschooled. Um, when I was in middle school, uh, there was a co-op, which is just like a homeschool group gathering that I was a part of. Um, and over lunch break, uh, the the co-op is every Thursday. So over lunch break every Thursday, we would basically all this is boys girls um a ver a variety of different ages um there's everyone from kindergarten through 12th grade at the co-op um not all of them are participating but we'd have people from fifth grade all the way up through ninth tenth twelfth grade playing frisbee uh on tarmac with light posts littered around the field and Looking back on it, it's definitely an, an ugly site. Uh, there's, I don't, I don't think we knew any of the rules, other than you're not allowed to run with the disc. We're just chucking terrible-looking backhands up until you can go get it, and trying not to die on the pavement um, or with cars driving around the parking lot. So that was my <laughs> my initial frisbee experience um, through middle school and high school. I was much more into soccer, and then I ended up running track in high school. So I didn't play much Frisbee until I got into college, um, where, again, I was playing soccer and running track. Um, I had some health issues and minor injury things, and I ended up taking a year off of track um, and was able to play a year of Frisbee at Messiah. Uh, that's under Charlie uh, Hops with some players like BA and Ethan Peck, um, some other guys you would you would know. So um, once I got out of college, and again, I only played part of one year in college. Once I got out of college, I um, actually connected back with the friends from high school and middle school who were still playing Frisbee, but now in an organized uh, competitive setting. So I played a lot of rec uh, Frisbee with them in the local Lancaster-Harrisburg area league, and then uh, played Bristol Fink for a year and played citywide for a number of years now. So that's my whole my whole story. <laughs> well, you uh, playing under uh, under Charlie Hoppus. Charlie uh, was one of my assistant coaches for the Phoenix back in 2014, and um, he, he's a, uh, a a friend of mine. Um, what 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 do you think makes Charlie such a good coach? I think Charlie brings a really high level of intellectual ability to deciphering and understanding the game, um, but also is incredibly personable, not just in the fact that he's a nice guy and knows how to interact with people, but he really sees the roles that players would fit into or could fit into, or he's able to make up a whole team schematic looking at the players he has available. Um, 
and makes things mesh really well. I, I haven't had the opportunity of playing for him in a little bit now. Um, but yeah, I've heard pretty much nothing but good things from most of the guys, all of the guys who have um, been under him. Being, being part of the pop program and uh, being, being a part of Citywide, uh, what was it like to go against uh, Charlie Hoppus when Citywide and Patrol squared off? It's always fun. Um, there, there's really no hard feelings, um, or it's, def- it's definitely a rivalry, but it's not bitter or angry in any way, um, which is, to me, the really the perfect kind of context that I want to be playing a sport where there's really high stakes and there's a lot to prove, but at the end of the day, guys are your friends and it's just competing. Um, so we had the opportunity of going against them. I think twice in um, actual tournament settings, and then we had a couple not sanctioned but pretty official scrimmages. Um, they did beat us every time, but had some really, really good close games that were a lot of fun. It's great to see where uh, where we stack up against them, where Citywide ends up, um, especially being able to track that progress over numerous years, seeing the the level of Frisbee that's in the Philadelphia area continue to rise as what was considered a, a B-level program is continually moving closer and closer to that a top level of play. So it's always always a joy, always a ton of fun. Um, really appreciate what Charlie does, what all the citywide guys do, all the patrol guys do. So it's really great to have a high level of competition that is available, you know, just across the practice field on a any given Saturday afternoon so with you having only you know started playing organized ultimate so recently like how do you feel you um are do you find yourself taking like big leaps each season between just your performance and what you're expecting from yourself or did you come into it like an awesome player and now you still are an awesome player i I've always been very athletically gifted, so I, I definitely came into the sport with athletic assets, um, but not a lot of refinement. Um, so I'm not sure that I've made really huge leaps and bounds as far as I'm, – I'm 27 now, so it's, it, I'm trying not to think that I'm over the hill and you know going to start getting slower, although the combine numbers are did say that this year. But jump is up, so I'll take that trade off. Um yeah, I mean, I I am nothing but impressed and just blown away by some of the younger players who have just incredible Frisbee IQs that I'm honestly, I wish I had. Um, but having only played the sport, you know, for what is a couple of years compared to some of these guys who've been, you know, playing competitively organized the whole way through high school and now and through college, um, I almost feel like I'm trying to play catch up in a certain regard, but it's it's a really fun game of catch up. Um, I have assets that definitely work for me, um, and it's about trying to maximize my abilities by being smarter, learning all the different facets of uh, the game on offense and defense. So definitely trying to make leaps and bounds every year. Um, I don't think I was particularly good at throwing for a really long time, and I've been trying to make that a more steady part of my game. Um, yeah, there's always things to improve on. I will I will 
if I am making leaps and bounds, um, I, I don't want to be stopping at any point. I just would love to keep improving and keep learning. So. Well, no wonder you weren't any good at throwing there, Eric. I mean, you had played soccer and you ran track. You didn't even need your hands for crying out loud. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> in all seriousness, in all seriousness, though, um, how did how did playing soccer and running track those uh, translate to ultimate as far as like fitness goes and training goes and uh, as, as far as helping you assimilate quicker to the uh, to the pro level? So the physical aspects are, I think, pretty clear. Um, I've been in very, very, you know, good shape coming out of, of track. Um, and I, w- I would honestly say that soccer is even more physically demanding. Um, not to say that ultimate is, is not, uh, definitely is, you know, especially with uh, club tournaments that end up being a whole weekend, but even the pro games are absolutely exhausting. Um but I, I don't feel overwhelmed by the physical nature of it. The difference in, in play, the difference in the sport between soccer and frisbee, track is obviously not much of a a sport as far as dealing with, you know, marking and making decisions. Um, there are tactics, but it's pretty minimal. Um, but the difference between soccer and frisbee is definitely pretty severe. Um, the concepts of Picking with a person or marking, um, I, I've never really played a sport. I think if I came from like a basketball background or a football background, I would have maybe learned more about the kind of principles of, especially on defense, of staying with a man and trying to give a certain, you know, space to them and take other spaces away. Um, but at the same time, I, I think soccer is an incredibly valuable sport as far as developing balance and intuition, um, being able to make decisions on the fly. There's a much, there's much fewer um, kind of tactical calls that are being made. Uh, you're definitely practicing certain formations and different looks, but it's not like there's a break, you know, in between every point. It's not like there's even that many goals that are scored where there's time to really plan out what's going to happen next. So having that, I, I feel like I'm a much more intuitive player, um, and I would, I would definitely give the credit to soccer for that. Um, so it's been a, it's been an interesting ride trying to learn how to do some of the strategy stuff, um, and really have a specific goal in mind. Working alongside my teammates, working inside of a bigger system, where my role is very definitive, and I'm trying to do a specific thing versus kind of flowing organically um, and just kind of making decisions on the fly. So it's been a little bit of a stretching experience, especially moving up into higher levels of ultimate and kind of get away with whatever you want playing lower levels, but moving into regional level play and then professional level play, um, the expectations are definitely to know a system and to be trying to maximize your own effort with those that you're playing alongside of uh, based on a certain system. Soccer players in general are known a little bit uh, in the uh, sports world. I was a former sports writer for uh, for a long time, by the way. I've seen some of the uh, some of the things that soccer players try to get away with when the ref is looking the other way type thing. 
And uh, when you first started playing uh, Ultimate, did you find yourself kind of maybe grabbing for a shirt or or, or putting your hand on somebody's shoulder as they were trying to jump or something like that just to uh, help offset the the, uh, lack of experience? So this is a a really interesting topic. Um, I'm not a big big guy, so it's never been one of my assets to be – throwing my body around, playing a type of physical game has typically left me on the losing end. Um, and particularly with my with my speed, I've, I've typically played soccer trying to avoid contact. But I absolutely know what you're talking about, um, especially in the professional realm. It's been kind of marred uh, by a lot of really just ugly sportsmanship and ugly decisions made on the field. Um, I really don't consider myself to be one of those players. Um, again, not just because of a decision that I got to make, but just because of my size. Um, it's hard to be pushing people around when you're not much over 5'8". Um, but coming into Frisbee has been interesting. The The level of physicality as far as contact goes is definitely very different. Uh, I would say the pro game is most similar to soccer in that because the sport is refereed, you're really allowed to do a lot of things that you aren't allowed to do. The game just just gets more physical because you're relying on a referee to make a call versus self-officiating. And right. I think that there's a I think that there's an appropriate way to do that. You're not just you know giving all your responsibility to a referee and saying oh I'm gonna do you know whatever I want until you call a foul. Um, but there's a, a really professional um, sportsman-like way to use your body that is taking away space or creating space or moving someone else's body, not with the intent of hurting them or of you know pulling jerseys or whatever, not in an unfair way, but of using your body in the position that you've gained or using your body to gain position. Um, that I I wish was – I may get flack for saying this, but I wish it was more accepted in Ultimate. Um, I don't – I understand I – th- I think the, the idea of a sport being non-contact gets a little gray, especially for me coming from a soccer background. Right. Um, when you start out playing soccer in the early stages, it's definitely considered a non-contact sport, or at least much more so. But as you move up and as things get more competitive, as – players get bigger. It's just an unavoidable, you know, part of being in a sport that you are sharing the field space. Um, so I, I don't shy away from contact. Um, if anything, moving into the professional game, you have to embrace it. Uh, again, not in an unfair or dirty way, but if you are not willing to put your body um, in the position to eliminate options for your opponent, you're really going to be left at a disadvantage. And that is something that um, I feel like I can do a really good job at, especially coming from a soccer background where the amount of contact can really almost become dangerous, but it's it's just something that goes with the game. Um, I don't want there to be dangerous levels of contact in Frisbee at any point, um, but it's something that you learn to manage and something that you learn to play with. So... Definitely an enjoyable, fun to play frisbee where, yeah, where there's more contact allowed. Um, I, I enjoy it so. 
What's it like playing under uh, Nate Vendita there? Uh, he seems to be a, a real player's coach, and he really helps to uh, put guys in positions to be successful. Yeah, I we had a, a really great season last year. Um, I was really appreciative of him coming on to Citywide. We had some we had some coaching and just reliability issues. I would say the year prior, um, not I think for any, I'm not blaming any specific person, but just didn't have a, a steady figure who was there giving us consistent guidance, um, you know, setting the same kind of expectations and play styles that we could get used to and learn how to play with each other. Um, so having Nate around last year on uh, Citywide and also Phoenix had to play under him in for both teams uh, was really great. Um, deals mostly with D-line, which is where I am. Um, yeah, I think he brought out, specifically on Citywide, um, he was able to bring out a lot of really great play from players who I think in the past have kind of been underlooked or looked or undervalued. Um, and we were able to make a really successful team, I think specifically a really successful D-line uh, under his supervision. So it's been really cool to see, honestly, to see a lot of players um, blooming and names who you know, I, I may not have expected uh, really high levels of play from that have just kind of erupted. Um, it's really fun to be a part of that and to, to see players just really raising their level um, and, yeah, trying to do that same thing for myself. You uh, you mentioned that Ethan Peck was your favorite ultimate player uh, ever. <laughs> now, uh, why? why, why that has it? to be. Former former Phoenix stalwart Ethan Peck, mind you. Um, he played under me in 2014. Um, he also – now, I might be mistaken. I know he played for Messiah. Did he help found the Messiah team? He did not, no. Um, okay. The, the founder is actually – and this may not be solely his credit, but it's Chris Schulze. Oh, yeah, um, former Phoenix player also. Yeah, so I, I'm – I was acquainted with him um, since I was probably five years old become a, because of some summer camp experiences. Um, yeah, Ethan Peck is a really good friend of mine. We were not roommates at in college, but we had intentionally roomed together in a cluster. So he was in the room just across the hall my senior year. Um, really great guy. Uh, one of my favorite memories is, I think this is why the Spinners was a team, um, they had won the MLU championship and Ethan had a Callahan in that game. Uh, that I was, you know, saw live. So that's just a really cool experience. Um, seeing someone that I know personally, you know, achieve such a high level, um, and then make, you know, a really amazing play in what was probably, you know, the biggest game that could be played in Frisbee at the time. So really great guy. He moved out to, uh, Colorado and is living out there now, but we still see each other once or twice a year, try and get that whole college friend group back together. Um, we're actually planning on being together pretty soon, but flights and uh, travel plans have obviously been canceled, so that's a little bit of a bummer, but see each other again sometime soon. That Callahan was huge in that uh, in that game, by the way. It changed the whole momentum for the uh... – and, and the uh, spinners went on a big run after that. But uh, what what makes him your favorite player? <laughs> um, I'm I'm just giving credit where credit's due. I think he 
is a very well-rounded player. I've seen him play. I think everyone has seen him play O-line, D-line. He's, you know, not strictly a handler. He's more of an initiator, but could honestly cut than obviously handle. Uh, he's very well-rounded, doesn't have many weak spots. You could put him on O-line, D-line, disc in his hands all the time, jump discs, just a very effective player all around. Um, and I actually was watching some highlights from past, I think it was past Phoenix seasons, and the hair was just undeniable. I mean, you you just got some good can't get any better than that. It had some good flow. He had some good flow, that's for sure. So, Shag, what do you got, buddy? Uh, Eric, I remember being on a trip to D.C. with the team, and you were there, and you were talking about um, how you were very intentional with some of the things you ate. Uh, Can you just refresh my memory as to what what that is? Because I don't want to say something and then just be wrong. Oh, well, sure. that's, never, that's never stopped us before on the Burning Bird Shack. <laughs> no, but here, it's going to stop me. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I've had uh, some pretty persistent stomach, um, and it's also turned into different respiratory, uh, just a number of different issues that have all stemmed from my gut. Um, this is starting maybe middle of high school. Uh, I'd been to numerous, if not, I'll say every possible, you know, doctor, but um, been to, I'm going to butcher this word, but gastroenterologists. Um, I've been allergy tested. I've had blood work done, you know, XYZ, all the different medical options. And I've had a colonoscopy, endoscopy, all of that. And the, basically was told that I just have IBS, um, which is not all that uncommon. Um, basically, it's, uh, at least from my understanding, ends up just being a blanket term for, hey, your stomach is, you know, really upset and you have symptoms, but we don't know why. Um, so because of not having answers and having to just deal with the symptoms, um, I've been prescribed different medications that, haven't really helped much. Um, it's made me be really intentional or at least pay attention really closely to what I'm eating. Um, definitely not the only thing that factors into whether my stomach is unhappy or not, or whether I'm, you know, feeling any of, any of the effects. Um, but yeah, I definitely, my diet definitely matters. Um, and if, if you're feeling, really anything, um, not just specifically stomach-related, but congestion, if you're feeling just tiredness, you're not having as much energy, you're more sore than you would like to be, um, I would just encourage people to look into their diet. Um, I am by no means perfect. I I definitely cheat a lot, Um, (laughs) but learning how to eat the right things at the right time um, and then let yourself have something that's maybe not the the best choice, but you'll live through and will be okay as has been tricky. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a battle. Um, it's definitely affected my life um, pretty heavily. I would say right now it's been more manageable than, than it has been for a long time. Um, 
I mentioned in college, I stopped running track, which ended up to ends up with me playing that year of Frisbee under Charlie. Um, and that happened pretty much solely because of stomach issues, just getting so severe. I hadn't finished a single track workout pretty much for the whole prior season was just like not able to, to run, not able to stay focused, had no energy. So it's been a, it's been a bit of a process. Um, but yeah, trying to figure out my body, figure out what it wants and what it needs, pay attention. Um, and it's been a long process, but it's felt productive recently. So that's it's been nice. I'm glad it's uh, on the upswing. What are um, yeah. what are some things that you've mostly cut out? Some food, or I guess food groups. This uh, this kind of all swings. There are periods in time where I can eat honestly whatever I want and feel totally fine. Um, I'm not totally sure why. As as I've, I think I've been trying to say, I don't have you know answers for myself or anybody else. Um, the stuff just kind of keeps evolving and keeps changing. But there are periods in time where I can eat pretty much whatever I want. I still definitely try and err on the side of healthy, just watching sugar intake, watching, you know, processed fat intake. But if if I was, um, there are definitely times that I'm very strict on what I'm eating simply because my stomach demands it. Um, The first thing to go is typically grain, which I would recommend as a starting place. Um, Not all grain is bad. You know, there's so many different types of grain. Whole grains definitely have pros and cons versus non-whole grains. So I'm not telling you to throw out or anybody, you know, I'm not telling anybody what to do. But not saying that grains should just be eliminated, but definitely one of the first things that I look at, if your stomach or your your mind, anything, your your body is achy, um, grain is one of the first things to go for me. Um after that, it's or probably right alongside of that would be just processed sugar, and then things that this is probably more specifically for me things that are really acidic. Um, I will get heartburn just right off the bat um, with you know really heavy like tomato paste based uh, food groups. Really terrible because pizza is probably my favorite food, but there's grain and a lot of acid, so it's not been on the menu. Um, you know, for a lot of different periods of my life. Um, And then what else? Yeah, acid would give me ulcers like in my mouth, just like sinus infections. I didn't breathe out of my nose for like three years. Ended up having a sinoplasty done, which didn't really fix the problem. Um, But yeah, I just, I have a laundry list. Um, But grain, sugar, and then I'd probably go acids try and stay away from um eggs have been really specifically an issue for me i'm not recommending that as an unhealthy food in any way um i just seem to have a reaction that is not explainable um again i've been allergy tested and all that and it's just come back negative so they're telling me i'm totally fine but just trying to trying to read my own symptoms but those would be the the major things grain sugar acid and eggs. Um, there's been times I've gone dairy free, but I don't, I haven't found that to really alleviate any of my symptoms. So I'm, I'm pretty full on dairy most of the time. So I thought, uh, I thought I was a picky eater. I don't know, man. That's pretty strong. Yeah. Steve, on, 
on every single one of these interviews uh, for this this week's episode, you've made a specific comment about some elaborate food you were eating, uh, whether it's banana cake or uh, your neighbor's lasagna or meatloaf, or I know today you were watching Man vs. Food before we started. So. <laughs> Well, I was watching TV. Well, I was I was watching it. I wasn't eating it. I mean, it was that's, that's, true, that's, that's true. You, know, you know what I mean. Those are two different things. And uh, I made a I made a nice healthy. Uh, I had a I had a rotisserie chicken for dinner tonight. Uh, so it, it, like in some uh, crescent rolls and some vegetables. So not terrible. Nice. Uh, I had uh, I had pizza with baked ziti and meatballs on top of it. So almost the exact opposite of everything that um. Well, well, there and you I, go. And I, I feel awful too. It is a direct <laughs> correlation to how bad I felt uh, over the last day and a half of me working through this pizza as this being my only meal, and I've been exhausted and cranky. So, well, hey, I've been, sometimes I've been, it's worth it. <laughs> I've been, uh, during this whole quarantine thing, I've been trying to do like little things to keep myself occupied, and like one of those things is has been doing some cooking like once a day is to do something small like using the kitchen, using the oven and, uh, you know, keeping the food costs down and, you know, uh, this way I can support uh, my local establishment and get a pizza like when, when I, uh, later on in the week, you know? So, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nice, you know what I mean? It's nice to do like, you know, cook at home for a little while. You know what I mean? It's not terrible. Well, awesome. Hey Eric, Eric, thank you. Hey everyone, uh, this week on the Burning Bird, Bird we had a snafu a scheduling snafu. Thank you guys. So this podcast with Eric Whitmer was supposed to be part right, of the Alexander larger Burning Bird Shaggy podcast Vegas. with Colin Messino and Mac Glazer, but it's not. It's here today. Have fun with it. <laughs>